to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose. And for your reference, this is uh, Freedom to Choose program number 17 of the series Parables and Object Lessons. And Susan, before we get started, would you like to open with a word of prayer, please? Sure. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings of your word and and the principles that you have um, given to us in order that we might have a life that's abundant and um, and full of love and joy. And so we just ask now that you'll be with us and your spirit to guide us in everything we do and say and to, for everyone who's listening right now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, today, well, last time we looked at the two worshipers, and this time we're going to look at the, um, we're going to look into Luke 15, and we're going to talk about the lost sheep, um, and of course there's the three parables in Luke 15 that are really, really important, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or the mm-hmm. prodigal son, which we're going to hit right in a row here in the next three programs, um, and you'll notice I wanted to talk about this in the beginning, that the sheep is lost, the coin is lost, and the son is lost, but God is not lost. Right. He's not lost. And um, have you ever played hide-and-seek with a three-year-old? Yes. Where do you hide? You always hide where they can find you. Right in plain sight, right? right? God's not lost. He is hiding in plain sight, folks, if you mm-hmm. will, if you use the uh, want to use the metaphor. But uh, So we, we, we find in Luke 15... Um, Jesus talking about these these things and, and using the parables. And what we're going to do today is we're going to reference, of course, the Old Testament and and uh, like Jesus does. And uh, but right now we want to kind of look at the the setting, you know, because we, as we look at the makeup of the crowd that was following Jesus in Luke 15, we see the quote unquote publicans and sinners gathered around him, and the rabbis they're expressing, of course, their displeasure. This man receiveth sinners, they said, and he eats with them. Right, because through this accusation, they're insinuating that Christ liked to associate with the sinful and the vile. Right. That he was unaware of their wickedness, That and the rabbis had been really disappointed in Jesus. Why is it that Jesus didn't mingle with them and follow their methods of teaching? Right. You know, they're thinking, why did he go around working among all the classes, even the lower classes? You know, if he was a true prophet, they thought— he would treat the publicans and sinners with the indifference that they deserved. The rabbis regarded themselves as educated, refined, and very religious, and the scribes and Pharisees felt out of place in Jesus' presence. How was it then 
that publicans and sinners were drawn to Jesus. Well, it's similar as to what happened when Jesus came in and he cleansed the temple. Do you remember yeah. the same thing happened? Yeah, so, exactly, because who did he run out of the temple? Do you remember? It was the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the right. learned people. He, he, he ran out the greedy people, the pride, proud people, and, of course, all the animals. Mm-hmm. And who was left? It was the people who were brokenhearted and, and wounded. And the children. And, right. And they came and sat on his lap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting that that God uh, can actually do that. In the, you know, in, in the same time of, of running out the evil, he can actually even draw the, the, the brokenhearted Yeah, it's kind of like that two-sidedness of something where, you, where someone is condemned, yet uh, other people are drawn. Right. And it, it's not, it's not the, um, it wasn't Jesus that did anything in particular to anybody. It was their own hearts that brought it, forth their responses. That's a way, good way to put it. Yeah, because the Pharisees, they had scorn and condemnation for those outcasts that, you know, but Jesus welcomed them. He welcomed them as children of God, separated, of course, from God but not forgotten by God. And it was their misery and their sin that made them even more the objects of his compassion. Right. Um, the teachers of Israel, they should have learned from this from the sacred scrolls right. because they were proud to be the keepers and expounders of God's word. Because David wrote, who um, who really made some really serious mistakes, said, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. That's Psalms 119. 176. Yeah, because, and, and you know, when he's telling the parable of the lost sheep, and they understood their scrolls, you know that they, that they knew he was referring back to, to David's statement there. Right. You know, I mean, even Micah, he said, who is a God unlike unto you that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Micah seven eighteen. It seems that sometimes we miss all the reminders of how merciful God is, and that whenever things go bad for us, usually it's because we've wandered off. And I want to reiterate one more time that God is not lost. Right. We're the ones that wander away from right. him. But, you know, that's why I think these the, you were saying about these three parables, the, the common theme is that it's God's not lost, but we are lost. And I just love the way that Jesus came in, and he just lays it out so simply— Right. And and that's the thing that he did. He took from scriptures, right. but he also took from his own human experience and related to human beings on their level of human experience. So it, everybody could relate. Everybody it, could understand. Everybody could understand. And it, it's, it's exactly, I mean, like it should have hit home with the Pharisees when Jesus says, you know, talked about the lost sheep because click with, you know, going back to David's uh, saying that in Psalms 119. But, uh, you know, and this is why addiction recovery programs work so well, you know, 12-step programs and whatnot. If I'm in a meeting, I don't have to talk about anything but my experience, and it's going to hit home with someone. Mm -hmm. It's going to relate to someone. Experience and the way things work and the way things operate, and and if if I'm sorry for what I've done and I'm explaining what I've done to someone else, and, and they've done something similar, they're going to understand and feel and have compassion for me because they did the same thing. And so Jesus is trying to explain, you know, hey, you shepherds, do you know what it's like to lose a sheep? Well, hey, that's my experience here right. with you. 
Right. You see? And I think on top of that, experience is the, is the experience of the victory of the end yeah. of each parable. Right. You know, that there is— that there There's is a celebration. A, yeah, there's a celebration. There's a reclaiming. There's a finding and restoration back to the way that— um, that it should be, and I think that that true that too is the blessing of a twelve step program is you know they they focus on being restored back. Right. What it's, steps does it take to become whole? Exactly. Again? It's not a, it's not a hey let's rehash our, our history and how bad I was or all the crazy things I did. It's about how far. Um, you know that you that you can grow and you can change and God and God restores that. For yeah. You. What is the therapeutic value of your past? What did you learn from it? What right. are your feelings? What makes you not want to do it again? Right. Um, and, and the beautiful truths of what life is like once you once you remain clean and sober. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, parables aren't new. I mean, David went to or Nathan went to David and told him the parable about the. The, the man with the ewe lamb. When he was taught in reference to Bathsheba, right? Yeah. Right. You know, and Nathan had to go in there and tell David he was blowing it. And so Nathan goes in and he uses a parable. So these parables, especially about a lost sheep or a sheep and a shepherd, they're not new. Pharisees knew what was going on there. Right. It was a connection between reality and... The spiritual world. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Reality and, and what's going on. So the lost sheep, um, uh, we... Uh, let's see. Do you want me to go ahead and start? Um, about the you know scene? what? Well, the scene, yeah, the scene where Jesus is teaching. Let's talk about the setting. Okay. Okay. Well, they had um, they uh, there were a bunch of wooded hills and and gorges, and that's where the the um, the shepherds took care of their sheep, and their they had their flocks there, and it would be very easy for one of them to wander off. And so the shepherd would have to go search for and bring it back. Right. Right. They right. the sheep when a sheep, you know, what is it? One nibble at a time. One nibble at a time. That's how, how it gets yeah, lost. That's how it right? gets lost. One and, nibble at a time. Then know, it looks up and, and where he am I? And doesn't know where he's at. Yeah, so you know, um, and that's how a human being gets lost too. Right. It's just one nibble at a time, if you will. Absolutely. And so, uh, so the parable exactly is when Jesus says, "What man of you?" Let's go to the parable itself. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it? These souls whom you despise, said Jesus, are the property of God. By creation and by redemption, they are his, and they are of value in his sight. Right. The shepherd loves his sheep and can't rest if even one comes up missing. And in the same way, but to a much infinitely higher degree... God loves every outcast soul. And I'm thankful for that. People can deny his love, they can wander from him, and they can even choose another master, but they are still God's, and he longs to recover his own. Yeah, he says in Ezekiel 34, 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. See, in the parable, the shepherd goes out to search for one sheep, the least that can be numbered in this particular parable. So we can assume if there'd been one lost soul, Christ would have died for that one. Right, and so I'm going to read a quote out of a book. It's called Christ Object Lessons, and it just has an incredible 
um, ring to it. Well, and it has an incredible description as to um, as to the whole view of the story, and and both you and I really appreciate this, and it's something that um, you know we we use a lot as we go through and use the parable of the lost sheep. The sheep has strayed from the fold, and the most help is the most helpless of all creatures. It must be sought for by the shepherd, for it cannot find its way back. So with the soul that has wandered from God, he is as helpless as the lost sheep. And unless divine love has come to his rescue, he could never find his way to God. The shepherd who discovers that one, that one of his sheep is missing does not look carelessly upon the flock that is safely housed and say, I have 90 and 9, and it will cost me too much trouble to go in search of the straying one. Let him come back to me, and I will open the door of the sheepfold, and I will let him in. No, no sooner does the sheep go astray that the shepherd is filled with grief and anxiety. He counts and recounts the flock. When he is sure that one sheep is lost, he slumbers not. He leaves the ninety and nine within the fold and goes in search of the straying sheep. The darker and more tempestuous the night and the more perilous the way, the greater is the shepherd's anxiety and the more earnest is his search. He makes every effort to find that one lost sheep. With what relief he hears in the distance its first faint cry. Following the sound, he climbs the steepest heights. He goes to the very edge of the precipice at the risk of his own life. Thus he searches while the cry goes fainter and fainter, and it tells him that his sheep is ready to die. At last his effort is rewarded. The lost is found. He does not scold it because it has caused him so much trouble. He does not drive it with a whip. He does not even try to lead it home. In his joy, he takes the trembling creature upon his shoulders. If it is bruised and wounded, he gathers it in his arms, pressing it close to his bosom, that the warmth of his own heart may give it life. With gratitude that his search has not been in vain, he bears it back to the fold. Wow, that's, what a picture, Mm. you know? Isn't that special? You know, and you know what we don't see here? We don't see the shepherd returning empty-handed. That's 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 the good it's news. It's not a picture of a distressed shepherd returning without the sheep. The parable does not talk about failure. It talks about success and joy in the rescue. And there's an implied guarantee that not even one of the straying sheep of God's fold is overlooked. Jesus will rescue everyone that will allow him to. Take courage. Even though you have done some bad things, God, as, yeah, God is the one that makes the first advance towards us. Yep. And while we were in rebellion against Him, He went out to seek us with the tender heart of the Shepherd. He left the ninety and nine and went out to the wilderness to find us that one lost sheep. That's that's right. Remember, just like the lost sheep, the person, the mind, even the emotions that are bruised and wounded. The person that's ready to give up, God will circle in his arms of love and joyfully carry it back to safety. Now, the Jews taught that before God's love is extended to the sinner, the sinner must first repent. In their view, repentance is a a work by which men earn the favor of God. And it was thought that that, it was actually this thought that led the Pharisees to shout in astonishment and anger, this man 
receive sinners. Right, because according to their ideas, God won't let just anyone approach him, but only those who have repented. But in the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus teaches that salvation does not come through our seeking after God, but through God seeking after us. There is none that understands. There is none that seek after God. They have all gone out of the way. That's Romans 3, 11 and 12. That's exactly right. We don't repent so that God will love us, but he reveals his love to us so that we can repent. When a shepherd gets the lost sheep home, he calls his friends and his neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And the same thing happens when a wanderer is found by the great shepherd of the sheep. Heaven and earth unite in thanksgiving and rejoicing. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Yeah, you know, and the Pharisees, they they regarded themselves as the favorites or the chosen, if you will. But Jesus didn't come for those who already thought they were righteous. In a nutshell, if you don't need repentance, his mission is not for you. The poor people who feel their poverty and their sinfulness are the ones who Jesus came to rescue. Right. Angels of heaven are interested in in these lost ones that the Pharisees despised. The Pharisees could complain and sneer when an outcast soul would join up with Jesus, but we know that angels rejoiced and the song of their triumph rang out in heaven. The rabbis had a saying that there is rejoicing in heaven when one who has sinned against God is destroyed, but Jesus taught that the work of the destruction is a foreign work of God. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, God's all about restoration and not destruction. And I think that's why uh, a lot of people fear him, because Mm -hmm. they know how they've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And so there's this fear of coming to him, knowing that that they have this fear that God is out to get them. Mm -hmm. When in fact, God is just trying to pull them over over a little bit so that they can be, yeah, restored. Restored, yeah. All heaven delights in the restoration of God's image in his children. Because remember, man was created in the image of God. And then we've kind of kind of messed that up. Right. We're 6,000 years removed from the Garden of Eden now, and that image is, is getting pretty, um, um, it's not like it used to be, definitely. And uh, keep in mind that when we wander and then we return to God, we're going to, you know, run into a little bit of criticism, a little bit of distrust. And people will judge based on past performance, naturally. But, you know, there are... I know a lot of people that I thought were never going to make it. That would I would be one of them. You right? would be one of them. You and know? so would you. I would be one of them. <laughs> you know, we were the ones you didn't want to run into, and yet somehow, some way, the that, shepherd got a hold of us, and uh, yeah. But and see, I think that that's that that is what he does. God is God is not just a creator; he is a recreator. He can take you know, the the most sinful and the most vile and restore them back to, to errors of 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 the throne. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He that's that's his that's been his only plan for this planet, this yeah. whole planet. And that includes everybody in it. Yeah. That, yeah. that they'd be one back. Yeah, if we if we could only understand that, that sin was a health problem. It's it's a health issue. Right. And that, and that he's the great physician, and all he wants to do is make us well, right. you know? But we need to be—you can't be afraid of the doctor. 
Right. You got to go to the doctor and, and trust the doctor and, and do what the doctor says. Take the medication and and, and participate and par- in your recovery. Participate in your recovery. Right. Yeah. Because there's going to be people who are going to di- going to be there to doubt whether or not a person's um, repentance is sincere. You might hear, you know, he'll never make it. He doesn't have any strength. I don't think he'll hold out. You know, and I just if you're struggling, just remember sometimes the people who say these things they're not doing the work of God; they're actually doing the work of the adversary. Um, he's the accuser of the brethren. It's through criticisms and accusations. It's through bringing up the past that the devil makes his attempts to try to drive us farther away from hope and from God. And I know for me, um, if I want to go sideways, all I got to do is bring up the past in my head. And just imagine what the Bible would be like if Paul and Peter let that happen to them. Let their, because... Let their imagination run. Yeah, there's a lot of radio stations playing up in my head. You know what I'm saying? And if, and if there's, if, if I want to dwell on the past and how bad things, you know, and and I want to listen to that and, and degrade myself. And I know that's not restorative. Right. And the thing is, is what what we can do is we can look at the story of Zechariah from the Old Testament, where mm-hmm. it says this is one that has, this is a brand that plucked has been plucked fire. by the fi- by the fire. Yeah, and all of us are in that same condition. We're all lost in sin mm-hmm. and and shame, but God can can take even the most righteous. Yeah, and and turn them around to a true follower. Yeah. Um. So. Um, Remember, there's going to be rejoicing in heaven over the return of the one that was lost. We should be contemplating that. We should be settled in the love of God and not be discouraged by the disrespect and suspicion of modern-day Pharisees or by any human being. That's right. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God, and that's it. And we don't want to forget that. And and, and um, I just want to reiterate the people that— authored the Bible, they had a lot of baggage. They, all of them did. Every single one of them. And, and, they, and, and somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit got a hold of their hearts and used that past for good, for therapeutic purposes, mm-hmm. uh, in every instance. Mm-hmm. And you know what the interesting thing about the Bible is it doesn't, it doesn't uh, cloud anything these it are God's the, people. It gives the truth. truth. Right. You hear everything about David Every, and All the Solomon. ugliness. God doesn't hide yeah. any of it. And he says, these are my people. Look right. at I mean, this is reality. This is what people do. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do. Right. I go in and I get them. And my, it's my love. You know, and we're going to talk in another program about, the, about the, the lost son in a couple programs coming up. That one is fascinating to me because, once again, the son knew right where the father was the whole time. The father didn't move, you know. And and I think too, it's just it's it's just the basic gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the good news that God is there for anybody at any time, no matter what our condition may be. He right. is there to take us and to bring us back into the fold, just it, like the the little lamb that's lost. He he picks it up and he brings it back into the fold. Right. And have you ever have you ever you know because. I remember one time we were coming back from the coast, and there was this lamb that was stuck in the fence. Oh, yes, remember that? Yes. And they'll just—they're hung up, and they'll just stay there and bah, bah, You know what I mean? And he—he's it, it, not even like trying to get out. He just waits for someone to come and get him. Right. And that's the way the sheep are, you know. And when they're—and I just think of a human being. It doesn't—you know—all you can do is cry out. 
you know, and I can remember in, in my early stages of my recovery, that's all I could do was cry out, God help me, because mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I'm done. Right. You know, and 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 I and, think we can do that at any stage at any in our stage, life, right? At any stage of recovery, because help recovery me. is just that. It's recovering from sin, not recovering from alcohol or drugs or whatever. It's recovering from that past of selfishness. Right. That everybody has. Everybody has one. Right. You know, and so uh, God doesn't care what it is. He, he, you know, he just can, he, he just he, wants he, to heal it. He just cares about the condition of our heart. He just cares cares yeah. about the condition of the heart. We all have a heart problem, yes, don't we? We do. We're selfish. We're fearful. We're proud, and we want to deflect the blame to someone else all the time. And so God said, "I want to heal you of that. I want you to to, to not have to carry around any baggage anymore. I want right. you to be be uh, be." Uh, freed from the bondage of self. Yes. You know, and that's... Uh, folks, we also have some resources. We're going to have to wrap it up here. We have uh, a, a new book that we've uh, we've put out, and Susan can get one out to you. Uh, just drop us a line at www.justasiamministries.com, and we'll get you the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.